turn to the book of Acts, if you would. Acts is a book of action. And as we're kicking off this series of, of, of speaking about our course through the chaos, and this has felt like a season of chaos for many, why would we do that without going first to the book of action, right? And so that's what today is all about. Um, we've got a lot that we're going to dive into today, so I just want to start for praying for us. If you would, if you would uh, stand with me and as we just agree that God would speak to us this morning and move in this place. Father God, we thank you for your word, your word to us, that it would speak directly to us, every single person in this room. I can't do that, but you can. And so, God, we pray for that miracle this morning that you would speak to our hearts. And, God, that we would leave here different as a result of hearing a word from you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you. You can be seated. So if you think back to January 2020, which feels like 10 years ago, <laughs> I mean, if you think back to January 2020, we came into the new year talking about, if you were around here, talking about our lights shining bright, being a light in a dark place, you know, and how providential is that, right? I mean, uh, talk about, you know, our world kind of being in a dark place right now and, and us shining bright, how providential. Um, and then we did a relationship series, which was a lot of fun. And I, and I think if we look back and into this year, and whether you're single, you're married, or if you're engaged, um, you know, there's, we've been th put through some very difficult situations this year. So that was very providential. And then we did the Roar series. Anybody remember that? We, we started by, by sharing the, the, the Roy series on, our, on, our, on our, the message on our birthday weekend, and then God kind of brought us back to that. And it was, it was really, we were talking about the Roaring Twenties and pointed to some prophetic parallels that we are believing as we go into this new decade. And so my question is, are you still holding on to those promises this morning? Because I am. I believe that God's promises are true, and they're yes and amen. And so I'm still holding on to them. And so here we are, though, in the, in the fall of 2020. 20, having lived through a year like many of us have never lived through before, but what the Lord says is still true. Amen? And he is, he is a constant and a firm foundation no matter what kind of year we have to walk through, and he's going to continue to speak to us through it because he always speaks to us through his word and through his still small voice, but with the scriptures, every time that we open his word, it's living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, so we expect to receive from God this morning because we're going to the word, and the word of God, if we let it, will always be transformational in our lives. And so so I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 27. And so just to set it up a little bit, Paul, Paul was in Jerusalem. There, there were a few believers in Jerusalem, and he'd received an offering. He just finished kind of doing what we'd just done. And there was a lot of poverty and lack. And he was bringing that offering back to them at the beginning of this book. Now, he was under house arrest uh, for a couple of years here in Caesarea because what, what he had done at this point, his whole goal was to end up in Rome. He wanted to be before Caesar where he had the opportunity to tell him about the Lord, the power of the resurrection of Jesus, you know, the fact that the kingdom of God had come in Jesus. And so he wanted to declare and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And of course, doing that in the major city or the epicenter of the, the kind of the existing world at the time, the Roman Empire would be so important because there were, there were these networks of, of communication and transportation that came out from there. And often when we see that the word of God is going to go forth in power, it's going to go into new places and do new 
things. We many times see it on the edge of kind of these new technological advances, whether it's through transportation and communication. And that's what we see that's going to happen here. And so he wanted to go to Rome. This was in his heart. He, wanted to, he had his mind set on it. His heart was set on it. And he was just waiting. And then he saw this great opportunity. Hey, wait a minute. I'm a Roman citizen. And if I'm going to go to trial, I want to go and be tried by Caesar, who's in Rome. He knew that if he could just get there, the gospel had a greater chance of getting to the maximum number of people. So he's feeling like he's on course with his purpose. He's on course with his destiny. And he knows knows what God has called him to do. Now, a lot of us, we have the sense that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and we have this course, and we have this way that we think God is going to do something, and we have our plan. And, 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 but often the Lord is going to interrupt our plan to put us on track with his purposes, And often what we're going to see from the text is that we seemingly will get knocked off course, but God will use that to get us on the right path. A lot of us in 2020, we feel like we've been knocked off course and we're wondering what's happening here. And and so when we started off in January 2020, um, I was not thinking that it was going to look like this in October, you know, that this isn't the course that I thought I was going to be on between January 2020 and October. But the thing that I've discovered, and I've discovered this all through my life, even though I haven't necessarily been on my course and my plans and the courses, you know, that I had kind of charted for myself is that I can say it's still good when I'm on God's path. And so you might feel like you want to be on your course. I might feel like I want to be there, but I'd like to see us all on God's path. And we're going to see that right here in the book of Acts 27 and 28. So the Bible says, we're going to go to verse 1, Acts chapter 27. This is what it says. You can read along on the screen um, or in your Bible. I'm reading from the ESV translation this morning. It says, when it was decided that we should sail for Italy. So that's what's happening. Finally, Paul is going to go from Jerusalem to Italy. And it says, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adermidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. So the next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. So that's how much favor Paul had. I mean, he's a prisoner. He's a prisoner, and the guy that's overseeing him, Julius, treated him kindly, the scripture says, and let let him go to take care of his friends. The favor of God, some of you have experienced this before, will often make people who shouldn't even like you, like you, and they will give you opportunities. That's what happens here. And so it says, putting out to sea, from there we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. The ship is going very close to the coastline in Cyprus, and the winds are very, very strong. It goes on and it says, and when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and and, then put us on board. So, I mean, 
aren't we glad nowadays if we, if we want to go to Italy, we just jump in a plane and we go there, right? Paul had to take a very difficult journey to get there. Some of you, you're thinking, oh, to be on the Mediterranean, right? Oh, to be on a ship that's going to Italy, to be on a ship from Cyprus to Italy, what a dream that would be. Some of you right now, you're just imagining a Mediterranean yacht and you're thinking that Paul is going to stop at a tavern and have some fish right there in Santorini and you think he might go you know via Mykonos and, and he might go a couple of other islands he might come up through the Amalfi coast and go to Positino and come around and end up somehow in Rome <laughs> but I want you to know sometimes that's what we think that's gonna that, that God's gonna have for us especially when we're walking you know Lord you said I'm going it, and it's it's a one it's gonna be a wonderful thing I'm I'm gonna be on a yacht I'm gonna end up in Santorini, I'm going to go to Positano, and I might have went up to Portofino, and then duck into Rome, and, and, and there I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God, and the seas are going to be smooth, the weather's going to be great, everything's going to be wonderful, the food is going to be fantastic, it's going to be smooth sailing, coastline is just going to be amazing, the weather's going to be great, the sun's going to be Paul is probably thinking this in his mind, right? This is going to be great. As the Bible goes on, this is what it says, we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty, off Snidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete, off Salmon. Coasting along, with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lesea. So Paul said, here we are. And Luke is writing this. And Luke's with him, and he's saying, we sailed, but it's with difficulty. We sailed, and, and, and it goes on again, and it repeats that, with difficulty. And there was this increasing difficulty that we kind of read about as we keep on going. So here they are, en route to do the will of God, but it's difficult. The winds are against them. The, the conditions are not perfect. It doesn't seem awesome. And so he goes on, and he says, since much time had passed, and the voyage was now what? Dangerous. So now we haven't just gone from difficult to difficulty. We've now entered the dangerous realm. Does this remind anybody of 2020 besides me? You know, when we started off this year, uh, you know, think about it. There, there, there was some faint whisperings that were kind of going on about a virus on the other side of the world. And I just didn't honestly think much of it. And I was not thinking by the time that we got to March, April, you know, May, June, and, and where we are, that I'm going to face more and more and what we would call increasing difficulty. I did not think by October that all the incredulous things that have happened this year would have happened. So right here, Paul is on route with purpose, and that purpose is surrounded by difficulty and more difficulty, uh, and now to danger. He's still in the will of God. He's still in the purpose of God, but the trip to his destination doesn't look like he thought it was going to look. It doesn't seem to be like he thought it was going to be. So we go on. He's now hit dangerous, and it says, because even the fast, capital F, was already overloaded by this. So we know that this was, this is after the day of atonement and he knows that he's going into winter. Now you don't want to be on a boat in the Mediterranean during the winter months. That's not when you want to go. If you want to go and visit the Greek islands, go in the summer because if you go when it starts getting cold, the winds come and the waves come. And so it can get pretty horrific. The winds are so strong. And so if you can imagine, 
Christ. And if you can see the scene here, if you're even the least prone to seasickness, well, you know, you could just kind of imagine there's probably some people lining the rails and losing their food to the sea. That's kind of the picture that we have here. And so we're at this part of the year, but it says, since so much time had passed and the voyage is now dangerous, it says, Paul advised them saying, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said, which of course, you know, he would have done because, you know, Paul's the guy that plants churches and the, and the other man, you know, he ran ships. So that's who I would listen to as well. And so it goes on and it says, because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both Southwest and Northwest and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. So now, we're talking about cyclone conditions, likely a hurricane, you know? Not only is it difficult to, to more difficulty to dangerous, a cyclone now turns up and it's called the Northeaster coming off the mountains and Crete into the ocean. I mean, we're talking tornado, hurricane situation here. So now the Northeaster is there and the Bible says it struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and we were driven along. Now, some of us, we've come into this year and we've just had to give way to some certain things and just be driven along. There, there are some things that we have not been able to stop as much as we've wanted to. There are some things that we have not been able to control. There are some things that we thought, okay, this, I think I've got a grip on this. And all of a sudden the cyclone comes. <laughs> all of a sudden the hurricane is, is in, in our view. And then we just, we've just had to go with it. There's, there's, there's not one person in the room that has not in some way, shape, or form been impacted by some of what's been happening all around us this year. And you're like, what on earth is happening? I set out to sail in January, and man, I came up against a lot of wind. I came up against a lot of waves. In fact, just when I thought it was going to get calmer, then comes a cyclone. And it seems like wherever I turn, people are, metaphorically speaking, they are losing their food. <laughs> they are churning up, if you know what I mean. They are at the rails of the boat and they're losing it because they're sick to their stomach. There's chaos, there's confusion, there's storms, there's winds, there's waves. And I thought, I thought I was on track with purpose. I thought I, thought I was doing, I'm not doing anything outside of the will of God. I'm, I don't think I got derailed anywhere that I can remember. So how did I end up here in October, 2020? So many of us are asking that same question. Many of us are wondering, how did we get here where we are? See, sometimes you set out to sail and you're on route with your purpose. And before you know it, you're being dragged out by the wind and by the waves and by the storm. <laughs> and what happens then is this, this, this cyclone will come along. And it, and you know, I, you, you didn't ask for the storm. You didn't ask for the ship. 
yeah, to, 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 to be in this, in this place, this predicament that you, you didn't do anything to deserve the storm. But the storm just came. And so now they're being drawn out by the storm. It says it's carrying them. They're going with it no matter what's happening. They're going. And the Bible goes on and it says, running under the lee of a small island called Kata, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. And it says, since we were storm tossed, now, I just want you to, to catch the imagery here in this text. I mean, Luke is writing, many of us believe, under the, the inspiration of Holy Spirit, right? He's writing this, and he wants us to know, as followers of Jesus, that sometimes there's difficulty. Sometimes there's danger. This boat, he says, was violently storm-tossed by the wind, that's the word he used. There was no getting away or around this. The imagery is very dramatic. And listen to them, it was very, very real. And so the Bible says they began the next day to jettison the cargo. Some of the things that they started off with, they had to throw overboard. Now that's something to think about. Some of us, as we get into October 2020, we're like, man, I thought this thing was essential to use a trigger word for 2020, right? <laughs> and so many things that we thought were essential were all of a sudden getting thrown overboard by, it seems like everybody and everything. And you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And so they begin now that they've got into the, the violent winds and it says violently storm tosses the language they're using. They're feeling nauseous and there's everything that's going on around them. And now they're throwing overboard what's, what they once considered essential items. Now think about this. For them, these were cargo ships. And so this was how they made their money. They're throwing over their economic provision overboard. Some of us come October, we're like, what ha what's happened around me economically? You know, things that I thought were coming with me have now gone overboard. And he, and he goes on and it says, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. That's their provision. That's their, that's their source of provision. And then it says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, neither sun nor stars. Now to you, that may not be a big deal. Um, but here... You know, if I'm, in the midst, if I'm in the middle of the Mediterranean and the sun and stars haven't appeared for days, I mean, Paul did not have a GPS system, right? And, and so this was his navigation system. Uh, knowing which way was east from which way was west was dependent upon being able to see the sun and being able to see the stars. So where is it rising? Where is it setting? The stars and the moon. Where is the navigation system? I wonder when it comes to October 20, 2020, whether you've been wondering, where's the sun? Where are the stars? It seems like, you know, I haven't seen any kind of direction for a while. All I feel is the wind. I feel the waves. I feel that. I see that. I feel like I'm being violently storm-tossed, some of us, right? And I'm looking to you for direction, God. And some of us are looking around and it just feels like we're in this pitch black. That's exactly where Paul was. That's exactly where Paul was. So many of us in that moment can, can just kind of give up and think, you know what, God, some, somehow you've left me. Maybe, I, maybe I'm on the wrong ship. Maybe, maybe I'm going to the wrong place. I thought it was you, Lord, but you know, I thought I was supposed to be going to Rome. I thought I was doing all the right things, but here I am. I'm in the middle of this violent, violent storm, and I can't even see my way forward. Is this what it's going to be like, Father, in November, December, January, February, right? And that fear will start to rise up. And so 
it's pitch black. Paul, he still feels all the turmoil of the storm. And so then the Bible goes on and it says to us, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me. Paul's so humble, right? <laughs> He's like, you know, I don't want to tell you. I told you so, but <laughs> you should have listened to me. But then he gets very, very tender. And listen to what he says. He said, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul, because you must stand before Caesar. I just want to pause here. In the midst of so much, I mean, so much, we kind of read this story and we just kind of gloss over it because we've read it a few times probably. We've read this story before. In the middle of so much, Paul is feeling exactly what every one of those other 276 people on board of his ship are feeling. Paul is experiencing the exact same thing. He didn't get to bypass it. He felt the storm. He felt the wind. He felt the waves. You know, he may have even felt nauseous. The reality of that was there for him. He was in the darkness just like everybody else. He was seeing and feeling and experiencing the exact same thing, but his entire posture and reaction to it was different. He did not spaz out like all the other 276 men on board, in the midst of it all, in the midst of it, this is what he said. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take heart. Now, could you imagine, church, if in the midst of what's going on in a world full of chaos, in a world full of division, a world full of pain, a global pandemic, and, you know, the, the shutting down so much of the planet, if we as Christ followers, instead of freaking out like everybody else around us, would simply respond by offering hope. Take heart. Take heart. Hey, take heart, not because I'm awesome, but I want to remind you that the God that I serve and the God that I worship, he is well in control. Some of you will remember if you've been around with us, you know, since March, you know, what if we responded by offering hope? Remember the two and two for hope? This is something that we did uh, back in March and we were saying, you know, every day, what if we just took two minutes and, and asked Holy Spirit to give us two people to offer some words of hope? And, you know, this is something that um, is so transformational in people's lives. How many of you have been offered hope just from a phone call or a text to somebody in a difficult time and somebody reached out and gave life to you when you were feeling like <laughs> you were really in a, in a storm? And so, you know, how important this is for us to continue to do this, not just during a pandemic, but to, to ask God, Holy Spirit, you know, when I wake up in the morning, who do you want me to, to, you know, just open the doors that you would, you know, open up. I want to be a vessel that you speak through, that you text through, you know, that you would message through, that you would give me a voice and you would give me that person, that you would put them on my heart, God, so that I could be the person to say to them, take heart. And he was doing this in the middle of the storm. He said, take heart. The angel of the Lord came and he said, you must stand before Caesar. You see, although Paul was not exempt from experiencing the storm and experiencing the wind and experiencing the waves and experiencing the darkness and the loss and the nausea, he wasn't exempt from any of that. 
But what he had in the midst of it was a word from God. And the the Lord had said to him, you must stand. You must stand before Caesar. I wonder, church, what is your you must this morning? What is the word that God, what is the promise that God has given to you? What is the must that is before you? Because I want to remind you today, you don't need to focus on the storm and the wind and the waves and the darkness. If you have a must from God, what is your must? You must stand before Caesar. And so Paul reminds them, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of a storm, he says, I have a God that I serve. I have a God that I worship. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to go through what you are all through. But how I go through is going to be different. How I'm going to go through 2020 is entirely different. Just because the world's going cray cray doesn't mean that I have to. In the midst of the storm, in the middle of the darkness, I can hang on to the fact that the God I worship and the God that I serve, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he who promised to me is faithful. (laughs) And I might be violently tossed by the storm, but Jesus is the anchor that I have for my soul, both firm and secure. That's what he is. No matter what's changing around me, Jesus changes not. No matter what storm comes, Jesus doesn't change. Jesus is my safety. Jesus is my anchor. Jesus is who called me. And Jesus is who will be faithful to take me to the future that he has called me to. And he will always be faithful. He's proven it. It will always be Jesus. See, for Paul, it wasn't about the ship. It was never about the the supplies on the ship. He never said, you know, you're going to get on a yacht in the Mediterranean and and have to uh, stop via Santorini and eat fish and have calm waters on the way. He never said that. He didn't say that there was going to be easy weather, but he did say, I will never leave you or forsake you. He didn't say that there was going to be easy weather. You know, he didn't say that your provision will never leave you or forsake you. He said that I will never leave you or forsake you. He didn't say other people will never leave you or forsake you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. October 2020, it's here. I am still with you. I'm still here. I didn't go anywhere. (laughs) I I know you've been storm tossed, but I am still with you. So it goes on. And Paul says to his men, this is my favorite verse of the whole chapter. It says, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. And even as I was preparing this message, I felt in my spirit that that is a word for someone this morning. I wonder if you have faith in in God that it will be as exactly as you have been told. If (laughs) we sang it this morning, If God has spoken it over your life, it will come to pass. It will come to pass, no matter what storm comes, no matter what conditions are around us, no matter what comes to us in 2020 or the next year. The overarching theme over this year is not going to be a sickness or a disease or chaos or confusion. In my life, it's going to be Jesus. Jesus has always been the name that is the banner over our house. And so I'm telling you, I'm not going to look back on 2020 any other way. The name of Jesus will be over the name of COVID. 
above the name of, of any kind of loss or grief that you may have experienced this year. And we don't know what the next few months hold, right? This whole year has been like even event and holiday planning as we're going into this fall. It's just like, we're, we're just gonna wait and see what happens, right? That's been this year. But just like many of you, I've got, I've got kids and that, that are in school and that looks a lot different this year, but we've already determined we're not gonna let anything get us down because Jesus is still the banner over our house. No matter what 2020 brings, Jesus is still gonna get us through. So you just make a decision in your home who's gonna be the banner over you. Paul says, see, I've, I've got this confidence that it's gonna be exactly as I've been told. That's my confidence. It's gonna be exactly as I've been told. Some of us as followers of Jesus did to get a little bit of that backbone back and just say to ourselves, oh, it's gonna be. If God said it, it's gonna be. I don't know how. But I mean, look at Paul. He's saying this in the middle of the storm. They've, they've been throwing their provision overboard. That's been the story. That's been the scene. The, the storm, the wind, the waves, it's all there. And he says, I'm, I'm feeling it all just like you. Hold on, there's another wave that's coming. I mean, it's like right there in the storm. And this is what he says. I need you to know I have a confidence in my God. I have a confidence in him. I don't have a confidence in the conditions. I don't have a confidence even in all of you. I mean, you're throwing up your food over there. I don't have a confidence in me but I do have a confidence in God. And if God said it's gonna happen, then it's gonna happen. <laughs> so Paul continues. He's just talked about this confidence in God. Verse 28 cracks me up a little bit. And then he says, but we must run aground on some island. <laughs> he just said, okay, I know God's gonna bring us through. I know that we're gonna be okay. Next verse, but we must run aground. So here's the question. How's your faith when you realize you must run aground? See, a lot of us, we think we, we just need our faith and that we're never gonna run aground. But according to this text, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. I've got my faith in the midst of this. But you need to understand that sometimes we must run aground to get to where God wants us to go. You're gonna have to sometimes. And sometimes it's where you thought you were never gonna have to go. <laughs> You would never plan to go there. If God sent you a memo and said, would you please go to this island on the way to Rome? You would say, no thanks, I don't like that island. <laughs> never been there, don't even know anything about it. But God says every now and again, you must run aground. You must run aground because listen, your greater prayer and my greater prayer is that we would do the will of God here on earth as it is in heaven, right? And that we would fulfill the purpose for which God has called us. And why would we limit God to just our plans and our dreams? How small is that? Because this is what he says to us. What I have for you is far greater than anything that you could even imagine. And so just think about this for a second. Sometimes to get you to where I want you to be because you said to me that you want to be where I want you to be, you're going to have to run aground. Some of us in 2020, we've run aground. And it's not because we've done something wrong. It's because I believe God's getting ready to use us in a Reformation revival unlike anything we've ever seen. But to get to that place, we've sometimes got to run aground. And he goes on, and this is what he says. When the 14th night had come, 
As we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boats into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, it doesn't even make sense. Unless they stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. What, Paul? What are you talking about? Stay in the ship. Unless you stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So now, listen, the guys on the boat are flat out scared. You want to talk about scared? Don't want to talk about fear. This is, that's where they're at. They're, they're, they're afraid because they have the wind. They've had the waves. They've, they've, they've been in the storm. They've had the cyclone. And now they know they're going to run aground. This is it. This is, this, we're coming. There's the rocks. <laughs> and they're sharp. And they're measuring. How deep is this? And it's getting, you know, the, the, we're getting to land. Okay, Paul? The stones are sharp. There's nothing worse than when you know you're going to run aground and you're looking and you can see the stones out in front of you, right? That's the situation here. So some of us, we've just been just like that. We're looking at the stones and the rocks. We're looking at this year and we're ta- hearing people talk about what's coming next month and what's coming you know, after the election and you know, war is gonna break out and la, 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 la. And we're looking at this and we're thinking, here comes the rocks and I'm bracing. And so what do we wanna do when the rocks come? What's the natural carnal inclination? So we wanna jump ship, right? I want to get out of the ship. I'm going to get out of this wreckage before I become part of the wreckage. We don't want to collide with the rocks, and so we jump. And listen, Paul's actually saying to them, no, actually what you don't realize is you're not supposed to jump ship. The only way he says that you're going to survive this is if you stay on the ship. So during these hours... And during the days that we're in, days of darkness, days of chaos, days of confusion, there's so many people jumping ship and that's not gonna rescue you. Don't jump on that marriage. Don't jump on that relationship. Don't jump out from your church. Stay on the ship. Stay on the ship. Someone, you showed up or you tuned in this morning today because you needed to hear that word from God. You gotta stay on the ship. But Pastor Sean, the rocks are coming. We're heading right towards the rocks. It's okay. It's okay. Trust in him. Trust in him, right? Can, will you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and acknowledge that he will what? Direct your path. He's going to direct your path. And Paul says, there's only one thing, one way that you're going to survive this. And he says, stay on the ship. So hear me, somebody, in 2020, in the era of everybody jumping ship, stay on the ship. And it goes on, and scripture says that as the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food. And it goes on, he says, so therefore, I urge you to take some food for, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you which is a big sign of trust, right? And when he said these things, now watch what he's doing. This is, this is when they're about to wreck, right? When he said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in presence of all, he broke it and he began to eat. I love it. He gives thanks to God in the presence of all of everybody there. He breaks bread. Now, do you realize what a testimony will be to the world around us with everybody 
that's kind of just scattering and getting ready and bracing and they're holding on to their fear. If in the midst of the same storm as everybody else, the same waves, the same wind, the same darkness, the same chaos, the same loss as everybody else, if we stop and we just break bread, what does that communicate to a world that's scattering in fear? It communicates all my trust is in him. All of my trust is in him. And I believe, and I know some of you are with me on this, that one of the greatest revivals that we will see with our own eyes will be right around this corner. I'm, I'm at least somewhat a, a student of revivals. I went to Bible school and I've you know, read the books and, and all the great awakenings here in America and revivals that have happened around the world. And it's exciting to read about that. But I'm just wondering, you know, God seems to work in cycles. And this is kind of your study generations. This is, a, this is the season. This is the time for the generation to be an awakening generation. And so I'm just wondering if the next, you know, great revival that we're going to see on earth is not one that's going to come, you know, from all of us just kind of waiting on God to drop out of the sky with this sort of intense feeling, but whether out of us is going to flow rivers of living water, that in a world that's full of chaos, that the fruit of the spirit is just kind of flowing out from us, that, you know, what we talked about last week, that the joy of the Lord would just be coming out of us in the midst of so much brokenness. Peace, love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. I wonder if that's going to cause a generation that is in the middle of a pandemic, that's in the middle of the chaos, that's in the middle of all this, and so they're saying, wow, COVID hit everybody. But those believers, they just sort of seem to have a trust in God in the midst of it all. That economic challenges hit everybody, that people are having to throw, you know, what's essential overboard. But those Christians, they were still so generous that they gave money to build a kitchen and a place for orphans to eat in Honduras and fully funded it in one week. And how does someone do that during a global pandemic? I wonder if that's going to cause people to go, surely there's a God. Surely whoever is that, that they believe in, there's something about it. Paul broke bread in the middle of it all. I wonder whether we could break bread in the midst of it all. And the Bible goes on and he says, and it says, now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with the beach in which they had planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and they left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes and tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach, but striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. And it goes on, we'll pick it up in verse 44. So a whole bunch had jumped overboard, and then this is what it says. The rest were on planks or on pieces of the ship, and so it was that all were brought safely to land. What a way to finish the chapter, right? All were brought safely to land. I mean, we've got this picture. We've been reading this story. Wind and wave, storm, food thrown out. The ship now is wrecked. Some of you, that's how you feel. But you know what? Some of our ships probably just needed to get wrecked in 2020. <laughs> I don't know what ship, what relationship or what friendship or what ship needed to wreck, but you had hope in the ship and God is saying, no, your hope needs to be in me, not in the ship. So many of the ways that we do things 
have changed and so many systems and structures and even family relationships have changed and God's like, you know what? Maybe you just had too much confidence in the ship. I told you that I would get you there. Don't put all your hope in the ship, but put your hope in me. And we get to the end of this chapter that says they were brought to, and it says they were brought to land safely. And I want to remind someone, I love this because in chapter 28, it says, after we were brought safely through. So they were brought out safely. And God says, you know, the the thing that I want to remind you from chapter 27 is don't spend all your time talking about the storm. Don't spend all your time talking about the wind and the waves and what's got thrown overboard and all the rocks that you hit and the ship that got wrecked. I want you to remember that I brought you safely through. (laughs) We're still here. We're still here in October 2020 and God has brought us safely through as we step into chapter 28. That's the story here. And the Bible goes on and tells us that they learned that the island was called Malta. And, and if you look at this, this is, a, this is an insignificant in, in, in the global scale. This is an island that is 17 miles long and nine miles wide. So very, very small. Paul would have never had made this stop on this island. But listen to this. I, I want you to catch this. Don't miss this from today. It took a storm and a shipwreck to get Paul where God wanted him to be. So listen, so that he could see revival that he had never asked for on a place that he never knew existed on his way to where he was called to be. See, some of us, we're at a place And it's the equivalent of a 17 mile long, nine nine mile wide, whatever it may be. It might be your living room, it might be your home, it might be your neighborhood, it might be your community. And we can't travel like we did. And we can go, what am I doing here? (laughs) And And the thing that brought me here was this storm in 2020. This thing that brought me where I'm at right now is a shipwreck in 2020. And God is saying, would you stop complaining about the island of Malta because I've got a revival ready for you to have on Malta. But you are lamenting Rome and broken plans so much and you're looking back at the storm and the shipwreck and you might miss what I've got for you in Malta because you're feeling bad about not being in Rome. It's time for us, the church, to look at the Malta, which in other words, right where we're at, right now, right here, Paul's in Malta. And the Bible says that, the, that he began, he says he was collecting sticks and he didn't complain and he didn't murmur, and many of us, here's the situation. Let's just get real this morning. We're in October, and we're still talking about what didn't happen in March and April and May and June, and God's like, could you just serve your way out of this? Stop talking about what you've lost and focus on who's brought you through. The Bible says that Paul started to collect sticks to build a fire, a 276-people fire, which is a big fire, right? And as the fire is getting hot, the scripture says that when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. Now, the Bible, this is happening. And I can imagine, can you imagine how Paul would feel as he's, he's gotten out there and he's, he's, he's trying to serve the people of the island? He's been through the storm. 
And he's, <laughs> the scholars would believe, or commentators, you know, believe if you read about this, they think that the snake came out because the, the wood was wet and as the fire began to burn, the snake came out because, you know, it didn't want to get burned. And so it attacked Paul and it latched, it says, right onto his hand. It latched on. It says it <laughs> latched on. So he's standing there with a snake handing, hanging off of his hand. And I can just imagine what Paul is thinking. Really, God? <laughs> I didn't ask for the storm. I didn't ask for the shipper. I didn't, I didn't want to go to this island. And now a snake? <laughs> Are you kidding, God? I was serving you. I was putting the sticks in. I was serving you. I was in your will. And now a snake has been in some of us. That's where we feel right now. We're like, Are you kidding me? After all that I've been through and I've stayed faithful, a snake? Because the enemy, listen, this is important. Don't, don't, let, don't let this get skipped over or glossed over today. He, he saw that the storm didn't take you out and he saw that the shipwreck didn't take you out. So he thought, if I can send something against you, just one more thing externally to take you out, I'm gonna get a snake to bite you and get my venom in you to take you out from the inside out. If the storm and the shipwreck won't take you out, the enemy will try to get a snake. And listen, it'll use the venom of bitterness the venom of anger. If you're bitter or you're angry about this year, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get in your face a little bit this morning. He will use the, the, the venom of divisiveness, the venom of offense, the venom of unforgiveness, the venom of greed, the venom of jealousy, lust, Envy, guile, all different types of venom and let it get inside of you. And so many of you, maybe you've not been, you know, you've been bitten by the snake and you're allowing the venom to take you right out of the fight when the shipwreck didn't and the storm didn't. But the scripture says, I love this, that Paul didn't just sit there with it. The Bible says that when the native people saw him, they thought that he was a murderer because the snake was just attached. It was just staying on. <laughs> He's walking around and it's followed his arm. But the Bible says, this is, it says, he, however, this is how calm Paul was. He however just shook it off, shook it off. And listen, he didn't shake it off into social media, which is kind of what we tend to do in our culture, right? He shook it off into the fire. The scripture says we've got to shake off those snakes that have tried to latch themselves on to take us out, either through indifference or apathy or greed or offense or bitterness or anger, whatever it might be. We've got to shake it off because the snakes will try. The more on fire you get and the closer that you get to your destiny, that snake is going to try to latch itself onto you, get to venom inside of you to take you out. But I've got to tell you, before there was Taylor Swift, there was the Apostle Paul shaking it off. <laughs> that says some of us need to learn to shake it off. The thing that is going to get you through is to shake off that offense, to shake off that hurt, to shake off that bitterness, to shake off that injustice. Then comes a time that you just, there just comes a time that you got to shake it off. And so this is how the story ends. After all of that, this is what happens. Paul ends up at a dinner with the head of the island, a man by the name of Publius, who had a lot of land, and his father was ill, and Paul was brought to him, and the Holy Spirit worked through Paul and healed this man's father, okay? And because of that, God turned around everything on the island of Malta, 
We read about one of the first and greatest revivals that happened in scripture right there on the island of Malta. Everybody who was sick was healed. And Paul could have missed it if he got offended by the storm. Paul could have missed it if he got sidetracked with the shipwreck. If he allowed the venom of the snake to take him out, he never would have seen the revival that was waiting to happen right there in Malta. There's a miracle in Malta and there's a reformation and a revival that is waiting to happen. And then once the revival was over, I want you to see this too. He was given a new ship. All of the supplies were put on board. Everything that they needed, the scripture says. Paul made his way to Rome where he got to proclaim the gospel of Jesus under house arrest. (laughs) The Bible says that he proclaimed the gospel unhindered. It will come to pass. But the issue is, don't miss Malta on the way to Rome. Don't get so focused on the storm and the shipwreck and the snake that you forget to shake it off. And instead of seeing revival, you end up stranded on an island that you're only meant to pass through to see revival come. Don't allow this season to be a season where you end up shipwrecked on an island forever instead of on an island where God says, I've got a revival here for you. Just shake that thing off and you're gonna see a revival. And then you're gonna get on a ship that's better than the ship that you started off with at the beginning of the year. And there's gonna be better supplies than when you started. And you're gonna get to Rome and you're gonna get to your purpose and you're gonna get to your destiny. Just be faithful in Malta on the way to Rome. So church, don't let a storm stop you. Don't let a shipwreck stop you. Don't let a snake bite stop you. Shake it off. Exalt Jesus who has made a promise to you and he is faithful, amen, amen. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. God, I know that your plan is so much better than ours. And so God, when we set our course, God, I pray that we would be open and willing and have listening ears to hear your purpose and your plan, which is so much better than ours. God, that we would be willing to break bread in the midst of the chaos and speak loudly to the world that you have got this under control, that we would be carriers of the hope, carriers of the glory, carriers of that light that you've put in us to be lights in a dark place. God, thank you for your purposes and plans. God, that even when the ship goes aground and, 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 and takes us to places where we didn't think we would ever be, it seems like it's where we're at right now. This year is so much different than any of us ever imagined that we can see the miracle that you have for us in Malta. And God, that we, we're, we're your people, we're your sons and daughters, and God, we're believing for a revival generation right over here in that kid's room that we're gonna be sewing into with our young people, Lord, with, with the people that are in this room right now, we're believing that we, you can use us as vessels, Lord, that when, the, when the, the ship, everybody on the ship is losing their food and there's chaos ensuing, that we can stand firm on our firm foundation, which we find in you. Your mighty name, amen. Pastor Derek. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sean. Mm -hmm. Amen.
So yeah, everything's not like it was like we thought it was going to be, but I've been enjoying all of these sermon series Pastor Sean's done uh, because they're all things that we might not have talked about otherwise. They're all things we, we might not have heard otherwise outside of the, the madness of, of 2020. So I'm, I'm super thankful, at least for that. So Paul's journey from Jerusalem to Italy wasn't quite what he expected. It definitely wasn't what he wanted. And our 2020 has been similar. I think we're all there. I think, I think that point has been made. But I think something that I want, uh, I want to bring to light here as, as we close is, uh, you know, it, Christians tend to have this idea that we're supposed to be perfect and we're supposed to only bring God our praise and we're supposed to have like this kind of facade between us and God. The thing is, God looks at the heart. He doesn't see our facade. He looks straight past that into what's real. He knows how we feel. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what's going on in our lives intimately. And still we try to hide it. It's kind of kind of human nature. It's kind of, kind of church nature. Um, but here's the thing. God has really, really, really big shoulders. He can handle our struggles. He can handle our fears. He can handle our tears. So let's be honest today about where we are with, with this year and with all the different things that we're dealing with. You know, when David would sit down to write, when King David would sit down to write, sometimes he'd be in a cave somewhere hiding for his life. And he would write these songs that were the worship songs for Israel for hundreds of years. And he would start with, my enemies are all around me. Doom is at hand. I'm not gonna make it. And he would always start there. And that's the word of God. This led Israel for hundreds of years, starting out with, I am surrounded by insanity. I can't handle this. And then King David would always come around and say, but God, but my God is going to win these battles. My God has won these battles. My God goes before me and he comes behind me and he comes beside me and he protects me and he has plans for me. And that's who we are. That's who we want to be. We want to be like David. We want to be real and we want to be honest. God knows we're human. He knows how we feel. That's why Jesus came to earth so that he could know how we feel. So he could experience this life from our perspective. And yeah, this year's been scary and weird things have happened. And, you know, if we're honest, the insanity's not over. But God goes before me and behind me and beside me. And his promises to bring me through and to take me to where he wants me to be are true, honest, pure, and he will follow through. If you don't have this assurance in your life today, but something in your heart or in the back of your mind is like crying out for that assurance, you just, you just want to feel the security that Pastor Sean was talking about uh, in, in Paul's life and in our lives. Um, if you want that, I believe that Holy Spirit is calling you to Jesus today. Your spirit and your, your heart are already moving towards Jesus, but I wanna give you, uh, here in a couple of minutes, I wanna give you some words to help kind of bring your mind along. I heard a speaker a long time ago say that, that um, 
your spirit is connected with God and is ready to go all the time. But our brain is slow. And sometimes we gotta give it time to catch up. And so, so you know, I believe that Holy Spirit's already calling you to Jesus and, and you're already beginning that journey, but I'd like to give you some words here in a few minutes to help you uh, kind of bring your mind um, along, along on that journey. And you know, maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you found 2020 to test you beyond what you ever thought you could handle. And as every new thing comes along, you're just like, God, <laughs> I am not strong enough. Well, congratulations. Just like Paul and the 276 people on his ship, you're experiencing the same feelings the rest of us are. We're all on the ship, we're all in the storm, we're all panicked. Perhaps what would help you out today would be to take a little time and do what David did. This morning I wanna give you some words too to help redirect your perspective and remember who has already won your battles. So if you fit in either of those two groups, I'd ask you to repeat after me. Jesus, I feel scared. I feel out of control. I feel like I'm stumbling around in the dark looking for a way out. But Jesus, in the midst of this mess, in the midst of this darkness, I will hold on to the fact that the God that I worship, the God that I serve, you, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are faithful. I might be violently tossed by the storm, but Jesus, you are my anchor, both firm and secure. No matter what is changing around me, Jesus, you don't change. No matter what storm comes, Jesus, you don't change. Jesus, you are my safety. You are my anchor. Jesus, you have called me. And Jesus, you will be faithful to guide me to the future you have called me to. And I know you will always be faithful. Thank you. Amen.